We are going all in. This is a consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here with the one and only Vincent Chen. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Not too shabby. And uh, thank you for joining us. To our listeners, we are joining you live from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. I thought it would be in the 65 this week, but uh, I'm getting disappointed, so what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, Vince and I are going to be continuing with our uh, Sinstock series, and today we are talking about casinos. That's right, the gaming industry. Very interesting industry. When was the last time you were at a casino, Vince? Oh, that's a good question. Probably when I was in New Orleans a few years ago. Years? Yeah. Oh man! Are you sure you're not lying? Because your uh, girlfriend and your mother might be listening. No, I'm not a I'm not a huge gambler. Okay, well that's fair. Anyway, so uh, first and foremost, just give us an idea of uh, you know every everybody obviously knows about Lake City here and Las Vegas and Macau overseas and everything, but just give me a breakdown of the uh, gambling industry, how big it is, and what we're basically going to be talking about that we can get a little bit more specific. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's a Big industry for sure, and um, you know, originally when I first started looking into this, when I thought of gambling, I always considered Las Vegas to be the hub. And over time, you quickly realize, especially it's, with the explosion of it Macau, used to be in the past it ten years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It used to be, but now you know, before the recent slowdown, the the revenue growth per year in Macau was equal to pretty much the entire take of the Las Vegas Strip. So every year it was going up the amount of Las Vegas' gaming revenue. For the Strip, exactly. That's actually crazy. I did not know that. <laughs> so um, just for some context here, um, the Strip it pulls in about $6.5 billion per year for their gaming revenue. And in comparison, Macau for 2014 had about $44 billion. Wow. So who's bringing in all of that money? Uh, the, in terms of the uh, different casino operators, um, in Macau, when they ended the state uh, monopoly on the gaming industry there, uh, there was about six players that jumped in. Uh, they include Galaxy Entertainment, Melco Crown, Sands China, SJM Holdings. Those are about the biggest players there in the city now. And who's the biggest operator in Macau? Do you know? It's SJM. Okay, got it. But it's a close, it's very close. Uh, the other... The other operators like Galaxy Entertainment and Sands China have been pushing for their integrated resorts, and that's eaten away a lot at SJM Holdings' former monopoly. Poor and them. <laughs> so now they are, uh, they, they've been losing market share over the years, and, and, and the other operators are, are all pretty close now. What uh, what amazes me because um, you know here in the United States, they said we uh, we're all used to these names: Las Vegas Sands, MGM, Win, all that stuff. But uh, it amazes me how big uh, Macau is for these companies. It's it's bigger than their entire state operations. Yeah, exactly. Other than well, in the, in the states too, there's also the, some of the regional markets. The Las Vegas Strip is obviously the biggest, but then you also have Atlantic City, about three billion dollars in revenue. You have um, we're building one here in D.C. right across the river. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you have Philadelphia. You have Philadelphia. You have New York, uh, New Orleans. But it's just the size and the scope for Macau is is pretty extraordinary, especially the uh, growth that they're going through. Um, in terms of the new resort openings going on later this year. So uh, what's been going on um, 
you know, in Macau, because as I'm sure we've all been uh, hearing recently, it's kind of slowing down for a certain reason. Yeah, well, that's what they're grappling with right now. Um, a bunch of different factors are, are, are kind of weighing in, on, especially on their what was previously their main focus, which is their VIP players. Um, so these are people that come in, a couple million dollars, sit down. These are the people who, who get to Macau flying on their private helicopters, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and... The issue is that the, the Chinese government has been really been cracking down on uh, some of this, the these more extravagant displays of wealth and some of the junket operators that bring these high net worth VIP players into the into the area. And as a result, that's why uh, for nine straight months now, uh, Macau has seen falling gaming revenues. Yeah, I came across this note in uh, Wind Resorts. They actually just came out um, a couple of days ago with their uh, full year fiscal 2014 operations, and uh, they noted for their Macau operations. Um, in the fourth quarter 2014, net revenues were uh, $761 million, down 32% from $1.1 billion in the fourth quarter of 2013. So this is a 32% drop in gaming revenues in their most important region. I'm not saying they're in trouble. They're obviously still profitable there and still a very big part of their business, but that, uh, that's, that's a lot of money. Well, the thing about the first uh, half of this year especially is in terms of you know the year-over-year comparisons, most of these operators are still going to be struggling significantly because the second quarter of 2014 last year was pretty much their record quarter um, with the uh, Lunar New Year. And so now you're coming up on these quarterly comparisons, and so it's going to be very difficult until the latter half of this year when year-over-year comparisons even out a bit due to the slowdown that, that, that took place during the latter half of 2014. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to highlight for our listeners, because uh, we are all fools and we try to uh, help the world invest better, is uh, the old days, you know, 20, 30 years ago of just, you know, having a casino, hotel, you had big casino on the first floor, hotel upstairs, that was it, you made your money. Uh, those days are kind of gone. There's really two ways to make money these days. Well, so this is something that's really uh, coming through in the way they're building the resorts in Macau, where they're integrating large dining and shopping experiences, but also in Vegas where they're having record number of visitors but falling gaming revenues. Everybody's and, going to see Celine Dion and uh, Penn and Teller. <laughs> well, you're, you're kind of hitting the ball, uh, the nail on the head there because the non-gaming revenue is not driving the growth now. It's the convention space and also you know, just other non-gaming activities. So a lot of the resorts and the hotels especially are raising their rates uh, in order to compensate, yeah, and that's the biggest driver of profits for them right now for growth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the more specific financials of these companies in a minute. But uh, Las Vegas Sands, run by CEO Sheldon Adelson, um, one of the big reasons they've been so successful over the last ten years is because they have the biggest convention center space in Las Vegas. They have like two million square feet of just space to use for these conventions and everything. And then, of course, that filters through to their hotels and the casinos, and it's kind of game over. I mean, you. If you're looking for high volume traffic, that's the way to do it. Exactly, especially in Vegas. And uh, the other way, of course, to make money is to get the VIPs in, like you were talking about. And really, the king of doing that is Steve Wynn. He's very, very good at getting people to drop a couple million dollars at the back of that table. <laughs> well, I want to go back to that in Macau. You know, they're seeing that the the struggling VIP segment, and so a lot of these. Uh, there's about eight new resorts coming in the next two years in Macau. Um, all most of them on the Kotai Strip, and in addition to that. 
most of them are most of the operators are building these new resorts to cater to the mass market segment. Can we? Um, uh the word oversaturation pops in my head there, but um, can we just give real quick for our listeners a overview of the uh, the geography over there? Because you've got Macau, you've got the Kotai Strip, and you've got it's very close to Hong Kong. So what's what is how does it work with a bridge and everything? Well, that's one of the actually interesting projects to work on right now is is the highway from from uh, the city to to the Hong Kong International Airport. But um, really, the the Kotai Strip is there building it to kind of resemble the Las Vegas Strip, essentially. And that's where a lot of the new development is. And the reason why they're pushing for mass markets where they're seeing most of the growth in the past few years, you know, especially since the VIPs are taking a hit, but also the margins are very beneficial. Mass market table games see about three times the margins as their VIP tables. So it's obviously a huge incentive for them. But another thing that the operators are doing is they're with the resorts is they just need um they need places for people to stay um on the supply side in terms of rooms they're pretty much filled and right. o- occupied so macau's full up <laughs> you know whoever for these operators whoever is able to get their resort their new resort to open first benefit because they should be able to fill the rooms and then let the shopping and the dining and the and the, and the gambling ensue, you know, ensue after that, and build a, be able to recover some of the uh, the financials that they've that they've lost recently. So, what do we think about you know the, these major players, the Melco Crowns, the Wynn Resorts, the uh, the Las Vegas Sands? What do we think about them just financially and how their operations are running? Like, who's your favorite? Who do you think's kind of struggling? <clears throat> I think Las Vegas Sands is an interesting place because. They have their big the resort. Best balance sheet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they have their. Well, they have the 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 uh, the Parisian Macau opening. It was supposed to open in the um, you know second half of this year. There's been some delays due to permits. Another interesting thing ar- uh, around the the development is that you know eight new resorts opening. They estimate that's going to require in terms of employees, construction, fifty thousand workers, and they've also run into supply side constraints with. Wow. with workers as well and they've also had some uh permit delays and that's what uh, las vegas sands has experienced so now the resort might have estimated or forecast to open you know early next year um adds three thousand rooms uh, but another thing that they have that benefits them is you know they have the dominant mass market position which seems to be going forward probably one of the the better avenues for growth for them and they also have a really strong value, a really good valuation. They're cheap compared to their peers. The cheapest, really. Well, and they're the most financially healthy. They've got twenty-two billion in assets, fourteen point eight billion in liabilities. They make well over two billion dollars a year. And this, this, it's no contest between them and like a win or an MGM Resorts. MGM has um, twenty-six billion in assets, nineteen billion in liabilities, and they were break-even on a gap basis last year. They lost one hundred and forty-nine million dollars. And uh, win. I mean, they're. It's very deceptive because you look at the return on equity; it looks awesome. But uh, they've got nine billion in assets, eight point eight in liabilities, and they they make seven hundred million dollars a year. But they're supporting this huge balance sheet, and I it's kind of no contest. Yeah, and the Sands also they have their Singapore operation too, to diversify away from For the sure. region a little bit. Um, I think it's about a quarter of their top line now. So, uh, that, yeah, I'd say that's a that's a clear winner for me. Which of these companies has the best foothold in uh, Singapore? I know we haven't been talking about that a lot, and I do want to talk about the future of gaming before we go. Well, when I was there, you know, you can't. When you look at the skyline, you cannot help but, but see a ton of casinos. The, no. <laughs> the Marina Bay Sands. It's a much smaller market. It's about, 
for 2014, I think it was about $2 billion. Okay. Uh, so, like an Atlantic City in terms of size. But uh, it's definitely there. It's profitable. It's growing. Yeah. And then the Marina Bay Sands is like, it, it, you, it just really stands out. Awesome. So, uh, before we go, I did want to kind of talk about the future of casinos. And uh, uh, neither of us really knows what's going to happen with this, but I did want to talk about Japan. Yes. Uh, there's a very interesting situation now with legislation being proposed, but also a bit of an uncertain political environment uh, because currently casinos cannot be operated in Japan. But this is a fairly large country, exactly. over 100 million people. Uh, a lot of analysts are estimating that if you know it goes through and they start and they're able to start opening casinos there, it will be the third biggest market after Macau and, the and Vegas. Vegas. That's actually crazy to think about that. Uh, I uh, I loved the quote. Sheldon Adelson, the CEO of uh, uh, Las Vegas Sands, came out and said, if it got legalized, not only he would be willing to spend $10 billion to get in there, he would spend that much money to get into Japan. And to give you some context there for that, that is, you know, a fantastic number because some the biggest and most expensive resort that's opening up in Macau for in next year, I believe, is from Wynn. And it's that's a four billion dollar project, and it's massive. So, so ten billion. He's willing to go all in. On ten Japan. billion is, is is definitely impressive. Uh, boy, so uh, someday we might be seeing a uh, uh, Sands uh, Sands Tokyo. Yep, that's right. Potentially, cool. uh, but keep in mind that's something that you know it's going through the the political process, so it's uncertain, and it's probably something that wouldn't be happening be, next year. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Maybe twenty twenty if anything. For sure. Very good. Well, thank you for your time, Vince. We'll hopefully get you into a casino here soon. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. <laughs> uh, well, that is it for us listeners. But before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a special offer for industry-focused listeners for a subscription to the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter. Just go ahead over to focus.fool.com to find out more. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks for listening and fool on.